WDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. That was your best read in months. I didn't screw it up. Despite your little, like, kind of swallow at the beginning (laughs) to try and screw me up, I did not mess it up. You didn't breathe during it, but you didn't screw it up. I never breathed during it, because if I take a breath, that's when I mess it up. All right. There's plenty to talk about. We've got Tom Hausnick joining us at 4.30, so we'll save our home opener Phillies talk. There were so many sports on last night that you had me so confused by what it was that you were texting. It was wonderful. Half the time I didn't know. So the Sixers game was a complete disaster. Which I didn't even well, know you were there. Otherwise, I would have texted you the nonsense I was uh, well, watching. Well, the Sixers weren't there either. Like, <laughs> they, might, they might as well not have shown up. But I'm sitting there. I left, and they were down by 20-something points in the third quarter. It and, didn't get and, any better. And I, and I get home, and then all of a sudden, I get a text saying that was a great way to tie it up or something. And I'm like... You're kidding me? You're, I left. I, I, actually, I didn't know you were talking about college hockey before you moved on to G League sports. That was actually not your reaction. I can't say on the air what your reaction was in the text message that you forgot that the Frozen 4 game was oh, on. Oh, yeah. It, it might have started with an app. It's uh, Haley yeah. will dump us on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> we dropped that on the air. Um, but you were not satisfied that you forgot that the Frozen 4 was on last night. Sorry yes. about the results. I did watch. That I was, wish I had continued to forget. That was good hockey until the yeah. result for you. But <laughs> if, it was you still if you went to Quinnipiac, it was very good hockey. But while you were watching the Sixers lose, which we'll get to them in a minute, and then watching Michigan, unfortunately, lose. You were on the edge of your seat. I was watching the G League League game. You know, I still have hope that I'll be on the team one day. Um, (laughs) We had those tryouts. You you think you're aging well when it comes to sports? Well, better than I was (laughs) when we tried out, actually. Not, not, Not that that means anything. I'm still short and have no athletic skill. So if aging well includes any of those things, then yes. But otherwise, no. You know what the sad part is? We both seem to have blackmail on each other. Neither one of us is going to use it. The, the funny <laughs> part is... Because it's so bad for both of us that we actually went and seriously tried out for a G League basketball Yeah, game. some of our listeners might not remember that. That was a couple years ago. We were doing <laughs> our show for the Blue Coats. Haley, on the other side of the glass, was not aware that um, I unsuccessfully tried to dribble between my legs or just dribble in general or survive the practice. She thought maybe they gave me a seat on the bench. I let her know they didn't let me even You almost sit down. broke your nose. I almost broke myself, <laughs> like everything about myself. And in the end, I think I just stood in the corner like the, the little dunce that was in punishment for not participating. You, on the other hand, got yelled at by coach and dunked on. And, and there's definitely video of it still. Oh, there is, because because my kid came and videotaped us all. I know. I'm so glad he did. I bring it out every once in a while. I don't, I don't know which was the worst part. The dunking on was just scary. Cause, Not for me. I was uh, highly entertained. Yes, you were very, you were very, the fact that they turned it into a slow motion video it's, it's really, was not good. It's really just all about perspective, Jeff. Yeah. No, but getting pulled aside by the coach <laughs> who grabs me by the scruff of my shirt and yells at me in front of people that are more than half as young as I am. Look, they didn't care enough about me to even yes. give me instructions at that point. So at least you got a little attention there. They put they put you in the special group. I think. <laughs> but they do have better players than you and I trying out, and yes. they won the G League title last night. And look, they look including <clears throat> including the the dunk champion. They did Mac mm-hmm. McClung, who I was surprised actually didn't get moved up on the two way contract. I assume he'll end up up here. Jaden Springer got called up afterwards. I know you think I just want to say his name so I can get his jersey as a Sixer. That will happen one day, but he was the MVP Well, remember, of the we, were, we were asked when, remember we asked, I asked, I think, 
when he was drafted, should you go out and buy the Springer jersey this year? And was told if you want to buy a Blue Coats one, which would have and been that appropriate. was that was last year, not this year. I actually still have my Blue Coats tryout jersey someplace. So that's so, my... but it does make you wonder whether or not seriously whether the G League is is turning into the developmental league they thought it was going to be. I think it was at first. Uh, until they allowed us to try out, <laughs> Cred- they lowered credibility the bar a little went bit. completely out the window. <laughs> but but it it is concerning because you are no longer seeing people, a lot of players from the G League, making it successfully up to the NBA and sticking the way that they might have been before. I mean, Paul Reed is an example of one for the Sixers, but the last few that have been very good on the Bluecoats have not made their way to being contributors for the Sixers. And, is that and a product of the Sixers and the coaching staff not valuing young guys? Because, look, Isaiah Joe is playing just fine in Oklahoma City, and he played for the Bluecoats and never got a sniff of the court here. Do you know who got in for the Heat yesterday? Who? Haywood Hinesmith. Who could have had a chance to play uh-huh. ball here, who they never brought up. Look, Tyrese, now, now he's just getting junk minutes. I mean, we, Haywood came in in the third quarter okay, when the game was out of here. It's sort of like during the season when the Eagles were playing well and I was complaining about the defense and special teams and you and Keith would say, you can't complain they have their record. Mm-hmm. Like the Sixers are going to the playoffs and have their record. But Doc is Doc. And if you're not over a certain age, you don't get in regularly. I have told you repeatedly Tyrese Maxey should send a fruit basket to Ben Simmons because the only reason he made the court Ben Simmons would be afraid to touch it is because Ben wouldn't play. Otherwise, Doc wouldn't have played him. Doc got forced into playing Paul Reed this year because Montrez Harrell couldn't cut it, and Dwayne Dedman isn't it. Yeah, but I, but I, I don't – see, here comes this is the chicken and egg thing because the question is, is, is Doc Rivers not playing somebody who has promised to play or do they not – are they not drafting people who should be playing? I mean, the Sixers' draft history isn't great. I think they're drafting people that should how, play. How hard is it to continue to watch now Bridges succeed and now excel now that he, now that he's in Brooklyn? The Sixers had him, right? Yeah, so and, their draft history and, is great. It's the trade no, no. history that's they, questionable they, they, there. But, no, they drafted <laughs> him with his mother in yes. the organization and then proceeded to immediately trade him for Zaire Smith, who unfortunately, because of some illnesses he had, he never even out. made it here. Yeah, he didn't pan out. But the Sixers drafted it. The Sixers will always be known, as long as we live, for the process. The process, was, even if the Sixers somehow won this year, which they're not getting out of the second round this year, the fact is— Way to screw up the next topic. We're okay, not even well, there we, yet, we can get there, but I'm just telling you they're not. On, how we run a show here. But <laughs> the process was a failure. There's the only people—who's who, here from the process other than Embiid? That's it. He is the process. Right. And so the the whole idea of tanking to draft and get all these draft picks led to virtually nothing other than Joel Embiid. And the only reason they got Joel Embiid was because he was hurt coming in out of the draft. I don't disagree with you about that. But what people are going to have to realize is you're going to come up with some older players. If James Harden does not choose to stay here, you will not be able to fill that spot next year. You will need young players to play. Well, no, Maxie Maxi will t- take that spot. He's going. He in won't terms move of into the point finding another superstar, they don't have that roster spot exemption because of how his trade and contract was done. If he leaves, they can't just go fill his salary with another superstar. So they're going to need young players, whether they like it or not. 
if they don't get out of the second round, Doc won't be here, so it won't be his thing to do. Well, it, look, if, if Harden's not coming back, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if Harden decides and says to the Sixers, I'm not coming back, the best thing the Sixers would need to do then is do a side and trade. They just can't let him leave. I don't know if they can. Why? Is he under contract still? No, but he, that's the whole point. Okay. As a lawyer, I, I know, but, as a lawyer let me explain this to you. All it's right, called Mr. sign Legal. and trade because he doesn't have a contract, so you sign him. And then you trade Assuming him. he's willing to <laughs> sign. Yes. It's not that he can get more money here than any place else necessarily. I don't think he's that in that part no, of his but career. No, but if he decides that he's so in love with Houston that he wants to go back, and I'm not sure why you'd be in love with Houston. Why would you do that, though? Why wouldn't you just sign with Houston? If you want to go there, because why would you do a play, sign play Because players do it all the time. If, they don't, if they're not leaving under bad terms and they can get what they want and they can help the organization they left, that's a good thing. That's what you want him to do. So we did, And Daryl Morey and he are close. So it's, I don't think – I think if he goes back, then Harden's basically made the decision that he wants to be the old sage now on, on his original – you know, on his old team. He's not going back to win a championship. He's at that point. He's just going to say, "Forget it." So we basically did this conversation backwards because we're on the postseason now, rather yeah. than the end of the regular season and what's going to happen. The end of the regular season. This regular season's over. The games, the games that are left, nobody's trying. Oh, even even teams that can make the playoffs mean, aren't trying. You mean Dallas sitting like five yeah. or six players when they're a half game out of so, the play-in so, isn't the way it's supposed to work? I, I'm not obviously a fan of tanking. I never liked the process. It is hard to tell when a team is tanking for sure in most circumstances because if you just draft bad or you're a bad team, then you just lose. And, and so that's usually what happens unless you do what the Sixers did. Now, what Mark Cuban is doing is he is a half game back of the last play-in spot with two games to play. And from all accounts tonight, the guy that he traded – Two good players for Kyrie Irving isn't going to play tonight. Tim Hardaway Jr. is not going to play tonight. Lucas questionable. I'm not sure who's left on Dallas that Cuban is going to play. Cuban may have to suit up himself to get out there and, and play. And the only reason that you can possibly give me that he's doing this is pick. because he wants a little higher lottery pick or he wants the chance that somehow his ping pong ball is going to come in ahead of all the others for Victor Wembanyama. You mean that's not the way it's supposed to work in the what, NBA? Are you impressed that I was able to say his name? I'm shocked you even tried, so yeah. let alone impressed. Normally, you just <laughs> would say Victor. You wouldn't even try with the, Vic. the last name. You would just VM. say, you know, Victor. What's his name, Jason? <laughs> You'd have thrown it to me. All right, let, let's look at the Sixers, though. So they're 52-28. and 28. They're going to finish third in the East. Right. All right? They, they they're beat, locked in. For anybody they, who's concerned that the next two games are going to do anything, they're stuck there. The they only can't question, go up. They can't go down. The only question is who they play. Uh, the Nets have a chance to be anything from six to seven to play in. It's likely they're going to finish in the sixth spot and play the Sixers. Right. I would much rather see them than Miami. I do not want to see Miami early on. Uh, I don't like the matchup of them against Spolstra. I don't like them playing Jimmy Butler. I think that's a tougher series. I'd much rather play the Nets. Do you know Jimmy Butler kept guarding Embiid yesterday? And yes, yes, he did. Well, why? Because they're buds. Yes. Like, like, what was the point there? I don't understand why Embiid and Harden were even on the court. You need to explain oh, that. Oh, I can only imagine your reaction if one of them would have gotten hurt yesterday. And Bede fell down at one point. He got pulled down and he no, was no. Sh- Forget that play. He did a great spin move on on his buddy and and then crashed to the ground after yes. the ball went in. And and that was old and Bede. Yes. It was it was you cringe and he laid on the ground for a while and everybody the place went dead silent. Yes. 
because he, for some reason, nobody has told him that if you're seven feet tall, falling on purpose on a hard surface is bad for your back long term. You think? Not good. I, I don't. I don't get it. And look, we talked to Keith in a, about in a, in this. In a game that means nothing. We talked to Keith about this, about the push for an MVP versus the push to a title. He's never gone into a postseason Well, healthy. that didn't – you think that helped him yesterday? By playing that game, did that help him oh, with anything? I don't think it helped him, but I think that's why he was on the court. I think once the game got away from him, Doc sat him down. But if that was a closer game, he would have played more. Not because they needed to win the game. But because of his ego. Okay, well, he got a, I'm sure it was an ESPN top 10 play. But either he's going to win the MVP or not. Those last three games were going to be nothing. Personally, I'm sick of the MVP conversation. I care about whether he's healthy and on the court and whether they get out of the second round. Everything else is just talk at this point. And wait, I don't feel like anybody in this you, town. Wait, you don't want him to win the MVP? I do want him to win right. the MVP, but I don't want him to do it at the expense of advancing in the playoffs. If he hurts himself because he's on the court it, when he doesn't not mutually need to be. It, just remember, they're not getting past the second round. Uh, see, you go to that premise. Yeah. I would like to have sunshine and rainbows. You, unfortunately, walk around with a dark cloud and thunderstorm all okay, day. Okay, so the the Celtics are going to play whoever it is is the higher I I don't playing like the Celtics team, right? Matchup. And the Celtics are then going to be the home team in a matchup versus the Sixers. And what is the Sixers' record against the Celtics this year? Not good. Okay. And and who is going to be able to guard all of the th- all the players that the Celtics have? Nobody. There's there's no way that they are getting if unless the Celtics somehow get magically kicked out in the first round, which I don't think is going to happen, no matter who it is from the plan that they play. There is no way that I can foresee, as long as the Celtics stay healthy, that even a healthy Sixers team can do it, no matter how well Embiid plays. I have no doubt that Embiid's going to score 30-plus points in every game. I have no doubt that he's going to make great plays, and he is not going to be the reason they lose. But the fact is, you have P.J. Tucker still starting on this team. And now we know he actually there's a little tiny area on the court that he can actually shoot from. That he chose not to do it all year. You watched Harden um, direct people on the court the other day, right? And? Uh, Why is James Harden directing everybody on the court and Doc not getting them in their place? Because that's what a point guard should do. I have no problem with that. That's a... See, you saw you, it yesterday. Did you I'm see not Ro- saying he's you, perfect, you but you movement? are. Hold on, but you're you're picking on Doc for things that if you most point guards who become head coaches spend almost all of their time find, trying to find somebody who has that mentality so that they can teach them and they can make sure that they on the court are the person that's coaching and I moving the players but around. You, you end up that's with, what you want. But you end up with two James Hardens, the one where there's movement and passing, right. and the other where it's Harden dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. But he's not doing that anymore. Are you sure that's not going to happen in the playoffs? Yes. I'm, I, I am 100% sure that's not going to happen in the press because I, I don't think that Harden has the confidence at this point in his career to to – whether what will happen to him if he goes on a shooting spree again. Because you watch other I mean, teams. think about it. His his biggest problem in the playoffs is his shooting percentage is woefully low. You watch other teams in this league. Do you see movement on the Sixers like you do on other teams on offense? Because yes. I don't. I see stagnation. I, do. I see a lot of watching I see it the dribbler. On the, I see it on the starting five. I don't see it on the rest of the team. But again, I don't know if that's anything more than they don't have a backup point guard. Who's the backup point? Melton is not a point guard. Milton is not a point guard. 
Who exactly do you consider on this team that's a really good backup point guard? Well, didn't we talk about that before the season started? Well, we've been talking about it for four years. Yeah, like but so so if you don't have... Kind of like a goalie for the Flyers. The, the, like, it's just impossible the, to find, and then they find it, and they don't do anything with but, it. But the guy you're criticizing is as, as Harden doing what Doc wants him to do. There's no second guy to do no, that. No, it's not Harden. It's the rest of the offensive movement or lack thereof at times that frustrates me. Well, but the lack of movement is because there's there's nobody to direct them. You have to have com- the rest of the players have to have confidence that there's somebody there that's going to get them the ball in the right spot. There, there literally is no backup point guard. This has been an ongoing problem with the Sixers for years that they have not been able to get a backup point guard. So you have, I mean, geez, the the, the starting point guard for a while was Ben Simmons, who is um, not playing the rest yes. of the season. Yes. So you have like literally zero confidence. You just Normally yeah, you but, have a but little not bit because of... of coaching, just because the, the personnel that they have is not a personnel that is going to get by the Celtics. It's not going to get by the Bucks. It certainly isn't going to beat half the teams that are going to come out of the Western Conference. I just don't see that. That I think they've had a really good season. The problem is the Sixers have had a string of really good seasons where they're close to fifty wins where they don't get out of the second round. Ever since they lost on the last second 5,000-bounce shot by Kawhi oh, Leonard. thanks for the reminder. They have not been able to get over the hump, and, and it is not because of – Doc will probably be the person who takes the fall at the end of the year if this happens, but this is not his fault. You still need all the ingredients to make a good salad, to use the Bill Parcells uh, reference. In fairness, going back – yeah. You and I had plenty of conversations about Daryl Moore's ability to trade for Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald and other players that would have pieced together a oh, team much better. differently. Much better. So, like, it's not Remember, necessarily... there, were, there were rumors about a Ben Simmons with, and you could get Jordan Poole and, a, what was it, James Wiseman and, like, one other... And, and Jonathan Kaminga. And, and those and, type and, of deals yes. were the things that we would have preferred. And would have so been a you, long-term solution. When, when you say, like, what do you do about this, it's not like it was James Harden or nothing. There were other choices that Daryl Morey chose this direction for. Well, the because team. he had a single-minded focus that he wanted Harden. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, you I know. mean, Daryl Morey may win the executive of the year this year because of the trade that he was able to pull off. <laughs> Just because Ben Simmons doesn't. However, basketball court. I don't think that he is an answer long term. Nor do I think he's been a short term answer as a really good general manager because. We have been saddled with Ben Simmons, and then he was so single-mindedly focused on James Harden. It wasn't even a secret. Like, everybody knew and that all he wanted was James Harden, and he was going to keep trying to get James Harden. And because of that, you got James Harden. We had a really good season this season, but we all know how it's going to end, and then James is probably going to leave. You know there are people who don't think that we all know how it's going to end thing that you do well yes i mean it's not it by the uh, way the reds just tied it up okay it's it's not obviously preordained but i'm just telling you that we all know any hope uh, i have do, do you see like look we've now got we got to witness last year with the phillies world series run what it's like when you don't have the expectation and how exciting it builds as the playoffs go on and you start to gain confidence. The Sixers are literally the opposite of that. We started the season. They acted a certain way. It's consistent with the way that they've been for se- for seasons before. 
And now we know the expectation is lowered so much that they're going into the playoffs and the excitement's not there anymore. We're spoiled for well, a good first season. You were there last season. night. You said it was, what was the atmosphere there were, like? Down there were there lots of people night. there. I mean, I, I got there I got there late because they've never figured out the parking situation. Well, aren't you a fun fan? You got no, there the, late, you left early? No, we got there Fair 45 day, minutes beforehand. You can't get into the parking lot. <laughs> but <laughs> don't get me started on the parking lot, man. It can't I, be worse than what the Eagles I'm just telling there. you that there's not, there's not the excitement that that should be happening this time of year for the Sixers. Which is a shame because Philly's fun when people are excited about the basketball When team. one of your five starters literally doesn't shoot. I mean, how many years do we have to go with that? We have Ben Simmons who wouldn't shoot, and now we have P.J. Tucker who won't he shoot. Did, and it appears he did a couple he can. shots the other night. I know. He had, he had three three-pointers in a game. Why doesn't he do that more? Tell me, tell me why oh, he doesn't even take a shot in the line. Well, game. Uh, they would tell you that you'll get playoff PJ, who then is lockdown defender and can okay. hit shots. We'll see if that happens. You think that he's been saving his arms so that he only Look, shoots and he's got I fresh arms? I thought we got rid of somebody who could only play defense and not shoot in uh, Matisse Eibel. Right. I thought that's exactly what we got rid of in terms of a player, somebody who can lock you down on defense but can't hit a shot. You know, I, I will give PJ Tucker. He's a better defender. Than he is, yes. but I mean, if you're looking for an offensive weapon, that is not necessarily what PJ Tucker has been on this. Oh, well, he's team. offensive as a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave the basketball there. You want to talk a little golf, and then when we hit the break, we'll come back and talk baseball. Fine. Are, you just want to talk golf? Be, well, you're you, having you're having. I've a, been a to the master. You you know how much I love the master. I know, but you're having a conflict. I do. Because I can't do it. It is. I didn't think this would impact me at all. I know when it but started. It does. When when live started, yeah. I tried to put it in the prep document, and you didn't want to even talk I about didn't. it. I didn't. You didn't want it anywhere. You did. You didn't want anything to do with it. And now, you can't even enjoy the traditional things you watch because it exists. Yeah, I just think the whole. Th- I think the whole thing is. Petty. I'll bill you for this therapy well, session. <laughs> thanks. The the problem with this whole thing is, first of all, I mean, look, we we don't need to go into the whole live golf thing. The fact is. These guys just need to accept that they took the money. If you want to take the money, that's fine. Just stop denying that the people you took the money from are bad people. Oh, you okay? won't like uh, that. No. swing then. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to hear that part. You want to be a hypocrite or you think that that's the right thing to do. I'm okay with that. That's your principles. I have different, I have different principles than they do. But what I don't want to hear is the complaining about it by them. I don't want to hear the pettiness. I don't want to hear them sit there and say, I don't want to talk about Live Golf while I'm here while they're wearing shirts that say, or jackets that say Live Golf. I don't want to hear that nonsense. You know, and, and so it makes it hard to turn on and just watch golf when the other problem is all I've heard all week is, oh, my God, what's going to happen if a Live Golf golfer wins the Masters? I don't. I don't root against athletes for the most part. It's just that's not the. I. I've told you. I don't. I don't believe in booing for the most part. I just think that it's hard to watch now. Sometimes in this city, with yes, <laughs> I, yeah, it aggravates me a lot. <laughs> I, I just don't. Th- I think it's wasted energy to to boo your your own team. But I, I'm sitting there and it's golf, and I just want to be able to root for these guys and and appreciate how good they are, and you can't get away from it. And, and by the way, if there were any player that were listening to that, they'd go, ha-ha, see, it's the media, it's media created. No, it's not. It's not media created. You guys do it, did it. You guys took the money. 
you went there and you guys can't stop talking about it and you're the ones that filed the lawsuit. Well, it, it's an expensive ticket to get in. That's for sure. Uh, for, of course it is. It's the Masters. It's $6,600 for tickets Friday for today. Uh, today was Unless you win the lottery. All in was twelve grand. If you wanted a four-day pass, it topped out at $90,000. Look, all, all, as somebody who, who loves golf and loves golf courses, there is nothing better. Yeah, you've been there. It is, it is the most one of the most beautiful places on earth. I'd probably go broke at the souvenir tent. I would just buy one of everything because you can't get it anywhere else. So I would literally take all my money, please. Well, just take well, it. Well, the worst, the worst part about it was is you buy the stuff and then they have places you can check, you check it because they don't want you walking around with it. And then it rained at the end of the day and they wouldn't let anybody pick it up and they just mail it to you, which turned out to be better. But I can't tell you how much money we spent at that store. You, you know how oblivious I am to life, but how I pay attention to like very specific details during sporting events, mm-hmm. correct? So did you see what they're doing on the broadcast for the golf by talking to the golfers in real time? Do you like that? I love it. Okay. The insight that you got from Rory McIlroy having a little AirPod in his uh, ear. Brooks Kepka's winning by three, by the way. Yeah, he was up by four shots mm-hmm. earlier when they had stopped for the rain. He's played very well so far. But like Rory yesterday... They thought they were going to talk to him before a shot. He hit a sh- They didn't get to him before a shot. He hit the shot afterwards, and they asked him what happened there, what went wrong, what's your thinking. For Nick? And he, I, I'm not saying he would do this on a Sunday if he's in the lead, right. but on a Thursday, walking the course on a sunny day while he's trying to play, he gave you a really good explanation for what his thought process for why he did that and that hit that shot, what he was going to do next, and how he was feeling out there. And it was a really interesting view. It's kind of like when you get... Talking to the, it was different than when you get talking to the coach at in between quarters or and they give the, you coach the MLB All Star game. It wasn't like that. Too. It was like real, legitimate conversation of a player giving you insight into their thought process for why they did what they did. I found it really cool. I think that's any time that they talk to athletes during it. I think that it's interesting to hear what they have to say. Sometimes it's fun, but for the most part, getting inside of what they go through because people just. People get very simplistic when they watch sports about how easy it looks. It looks easy because of how talented they are and how long that they've worked on it. Yeah, no sport and, that I play looks that yeah, easy. Yeah, but but and, and golf is but, but golf is one of those things that golfers, professional golfers, if you've ever got out and watched a tournament, they on TV it's one thing. When you get there, you realize how they make it look so easy. And if you just watch them, you realize how hard it is. I mean, it always amazes me that there are fans on either, if they hit it off of the fairway, the fans line up on both sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. For 50 yards. And if that were me hitting that ball, somebody, lots of people would be in the hospital. <laughs> and and we just take for granted that they're that talented. Nobody would let that, you out there to hit that ball. Just, just pointing that out right now. Because they There'd know. There'd be a whole lot of waivers. They have, I was going to say, they have liability issues. Yeah. There's no way they would let you out there or me out there for that. Uh, another thing they're doing this year, they have generative AI announcers in the app to cover different holes that normally wouldn't get covered for golfers. So you don't have a real announcer, but you have artificial hit. intelligence. Why? I, I guess there are plenty of people that would love to announce it. I guess so that they cover more holes. I will say the app is fantastic. Next, next year, we're going. That's what we're going to do. To the Masters? We're, we are, we're going to get rid of the AI. Did you tell my wife? <laughs> okay. Now, 
This is a whole lot bigger discussion. <laughs> Are we Sa- back to therapy for me now? Are you going to get even? Sarah, please turn this off because Jason. Do we it, need to talk about this it, in the it, elevator it, after the show? If if I somehow get them. Or they invite us oh, if we to got announce the masters. No, no, she, she and you say please. I can't go. If if you were to get the we're, tickets, we're breaking up. If you, <laughs> you and I are going to break <laughs> <That's> up, <right. laughs> my wife will be okay with me breaking up with my radio partner. <laughs> Believe me, if you actually got tickets to the masters, mm. she would totally understand. I didn't say tickets. That I would go. I, I said if we are announcing on the back holes. Oh, even tickets though. Yeah. Announcing, please. They're not going to let you announce anything. They would prefer the artificial <laughs> intelligence to you. <laughs> Jeff, why don't we hit a break? When we get back, we'll talk some baseball. Thanks be joined by Tom Nick. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825. Repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. All right, Jeff, let's keep it going. We'll be joined by Tom Hausnick in a minute or two. We're going to need to talk to him because uh, after an ugly start to the season, we're nine days in. The Phillies have eight players, not including Andrew Painter. Has anybody made more roster moves this early in the season than the Phillies have? I don't know. The Yankees have made a lot, too. They've had a bunch of injuries. But, no, I mean, the, they, they're they one of only three teams to start with just a single win. They've been outscored 46-18 to 18 before today. Currently, they're up 2-1 right now. Castellanos looks like he got a walk there. Against the Reds. Um, but it has not been the start that everybody was hoping for for the season. I don't know what you do. Uh, they don't have the pitching. Painter's now been moved to, what, the 60-day DL? Yeah. So that, that, that's an issue. Uh, I.L. Not a DL uh, I'm anymore. Sorry. It's an injured list. Okay. Whatever letters you're going to use. Get it right, use, Jeff. Whatever, whatever <laughs> letters you're going to use, he, <laughs> he's, he's not it. pitching for a while, okay? <laughs> Ranger Suarez still isn't back. I don't want. I don't care how well he pitched for four innings. I don't want to see Strom as a starting pitcher. Do you? Well, let's ask Tom Hausnick of the morning call. What, <laughs> Tom? <laughs> the fact that he's laughing are, are you is a, not good. Are you a miracle worker that's going to come up with some pitching for us here with the Phillies? <laughs> he's warming up not. right now. <laughs> I, I am warming up because it is pretty cold, but that's about the uh, the extent of my uh, baseball experience. Well, wait, you're cold. The Phillies canceled yesterday's game, and it was 80 degrees and sunny outside. Today's much better <laughs> for baseball. Uh, no logic, but yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom, it is so good to have you back to talk baseball. You guys are underway in, in Lehigh Valley. Um, talk to us about what things are like as they broke camp and came back there to Reading and to Lehigh Valley and what you're seeing up there in the area. Well, it's definitely a new crop of guys here. Uh, most of those minor league free agents they had last year are gone, other than Dustin Peterson. He's kind of like the veteran here of this group, kind of showing everybody around, but uh Again, it's a great group of guys. I mean, we we talk so much about you know on field ability, but first of all, this is a this is a pretty good character group. And I think one of the new guys who came over from the the Rays organization hit it on the head. He said, "That's how Tampa's always operated." And from what he's seen and heard from people here who have been here either a year or more, the Phillies are definitely going that direction. And uh, he's noticed that right away here in just a, in a couple of weeks with with a lot of new faces. So they have that going for him. All right. Scott Kingery, what we 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 want to keep talking about Scott Kingery, but he does look 
a whole lot closer to what he was in 2017 when everybody first started getting excited about him. Um, he's back to doing the things that he did then, which was finding ways to get on base, steal bases, play great defense, which really has never gone away. But uh, he just looks like he's 100%, and he looks mentally like he's in a, in a whole better place, which, again, can make a world of difference no matter how much talent you have. All right, well, normally I would start with the pitching, but since you started with the hitting, what do you think of, of the development group that is leading the charge now down in the minor leagues? Is is the Phillies' development – because, look, you and I have, and Jason have talked about Kingery for years and, and maybe the damage that the development group did that was here beforehand. Is the group that's there and there, do you have more confidence in this group of, of teachers? Sure. Um, that's an interesting question. I, I think they're – I think the players have the confidence because, again, I've talked to a lot of the guys who are new to the organization because you want to get their immediate feelings on on, on getting new voices and, and what they think. And from Cody Clemens, who obviously is in Philadelphia today, to um, a whole bunch of other guys, they feel pretty good with what they've heard and not only what they've heard, but just the approach that has been taken with the Phillies um, staff, which is more of it's more worrying about their confidence right now rather than saying, okay, look, you have to change this. You have to do this, whatever. They're, they're working on the mental side more than anything to say, look, you got a lot going on, right? Let's just make sure that that stays the same. And I think the, the players are more receptive to what they're going to hear from a, a mechanical standpoint when they know that these, this staff has their backs and appreciates what they, what the skills they have. So I think they feel comfortable with the group, which again, will go a long way when it comes time to kind of making some changes with some swings or approach, whatever. So I think that's a good sign that these players who are coming from good organizations, again, we've got a couple guys here from Tampa that that goes a long way to hear that from them. And everybody knows how Tampa develops guys from, you know, I don't say nothing, but just guys who are not on the radar to be an everyday major league player. So that, that bodes pretty well for this, this minor league staff. Obviously, rankings are as good as the paper they're written on. Uh, Baseball America ranks their farm system 19th out of 30, up from 23rd last year, 27th the year before. Obviously, there's been a change in direction under Mattingly there and, and the new system there. Talk about some of the prospects that people who don't pay attention to the minors should listen for that may eventually wear their Phillies uniform here. Well, I think everybody knows about anybody who follows anything with the Phillies this you know Johan Rojas in double a is has everybody excited uh again because he's a top of the order guy who can steal a lot of bases he can play tremendous defense has the whole tools tool set there and he's starting to figure things out you now in the batter's box obviously you can't steal first base and he's finding a way to get on base a lot more consistently than he was uh, early on in his career and I think that has people really really looking forward to watching a guy like that play somebody who can Again, he's not the guy who's going to hit 30 homers ever, uh, but he's the guy who can get on base and make it a two-run homer instead of a solo shot. Um, so there's a lot to be said for that. And again, center field is a spot, you know, desperately needing a guy who can play every day out there. So um, he's number one. Um, but you know, you go different levels of the spectrum. You take Adela Cruz, who again he's in Double A as well with Reading. Guy is six nine, and he's every bit of six nine. And you wonder how this guy isn't in an NBA camp somewhere because he just has you know, a basketball body, but you know, he's opened some eyes. He's starting to figure things out, uh, close up some of the big holes he had in the swing. Uh, he's a guy who was going to be a power guy. Once he puts on 20 or 30 pounds and can figure out, 
you know, what good pitchers are going to try and do with him and find and find his weaknesses and maybe get rid of this, some of them. So he's another guy that's, again, he's in double A. He's not a guy who's going to move fast unless he really lights up things uh, in, in, in Reading. But he's a guy in a couple of years that could be a potential uh, guy who could play some first base. And again, that's a new position to him. They've moved him from the outfield. Um, again, he didn't have great range or anything like that in the outfield. Again, he, he could end up like a Jalen Ortiz who – you know, was DFA'd uh, earlier this week by the Phillies, somebody they thought highly of for how many years we've been hearing about him coming through. And, you know, he got one game's worth of AAA this year and he's gone. So um, De La Cruz is a potential. There's potential. I think people think Rojas is a guy who is it's just a matter of when. And I think everything that I've seen and heard, it is a matter of when. And that's, that's a great thing for the Philly staff center field, maybe locked up for 10 years coming in, in the next year, 18 months. Oh, well, wait, wait, wait. We have Brandon Marsh now. And Christian, <laughs> Christian Pache. Yeah. Pache yeah. or Pache. J- Jason, here's your shot. You're, you're not going to bring up Logan O'Hoppy now? Oh, I'm going to get to Logan O'Hoppy oh, okay. soon. Don't you worry. All right. Well, I'll, before, I'll all right. Then before, before we get to Logan O'Hoppy, let's let's talk pitching for a second. Are, are you surprised? So with everything that's happened with the Phillies at the beginning of the season as far as their starting pitching goes, uh, and, and it's, it's hanging by a thread right now, are you surprised that Mick Abel – is not in Lehigh Valley and is instead in, in Reading to start the season. Yeah, you you, t- you mentioned before about the minor league staff now, and I think if this were a previous minor league staff, McNabel would be starting tonight in AAA. But I think they're showing patience uh, and, and realizing that McNabel's not ready to be here. No matter what their need is up there, he's not ready to be one step away. And I'm glad to see that. He's a kid who's going to be really good, but you just like we've seen with many guys, including Scott Kingery, you can't rush it and you can't change and, and, and you can't change it on the fly either. So I, I think they're showing good restraint by leaving him in Double A. Uh, hopefully, at least half the season, um, let him just really just learn how to get guys out, learn how to go deep into games, and then if he's really hot come the All Star break. Then you bring him to AAA and see what happens. But I think it's—I think they're showing really good patience, and uh, that's the right thing to do, in my opinion, at this point. I just wanted to ask about another name you don't hear as often, Noah Scarrow. Uh, he led the minors last season in starts at 25 and innings pitched at almost 120. He played in the World Baseball Classic for Canada and held Columbia to two hits and five scoreless. Uh, what's he looking like so far this spring? He's one of those guys that uh, just finds a way to get finds ways to get people out he doesn't have electric stuff he doesn't throw high 90s fastball he doesn't have that out dominant out pitch that everybody knows come but they can't hit it he just kind of knows how to pitch um it's yet to be seen whether he can do it consistently here at triple a but he had a you know he had a five inning start right off the bat in his first start here um again not overpowering i think they hit two hard balls off and they were back to back one was an infield error, next one was a two-run homer. But like right after that, he bang, 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 got the next three outs and limited the damage. So he's a guy who knows how to pitch. He doesn't get uh, you know too worked up when things don't go right. And yeah, again, is he in their plans? Probably not. But if he continues to pitch like he has here, they might have to rethink that. Again, World Baseball Classic, great showing um, against major league, you know some major league hitters. And he's had, you know, he's had some success here. So again, he's putting himself uh, in a good position to make them really think about what uh, what his future could be here. Well, and even if he's not in their plans, the more chips they have to potentially move that aren't in their plans 
to get other people that would be in their plans is also helpful. I have oh, to, I, I have to ask you, this isn't second guessing for Jeff because um, he almost shed tears at the time that Logan O'Hoppy was traded for Brad Marsh. <laughs> Um, every time, I'm still shutting every time he, uh, sneezes, I get a text from Jeff about the action that occurred from him with the angels, how well he has looked this year. It's a long distance affection that has not been requited by Logan yet. Um, <laughs> your thoughts on Logan O'Hoppy's start for the angels this year and whether Jeff will continue to regret that move, even though we have a catcher for the next 10 years. Well, there, listen, let's, let's say this, there, there could be, uh, uh, what's the word I want to look for? I have to be careful. I'm very, I'm very fond of Logan O'Hoppy. Uh, when he was traded, that was, I, I yelled some things. So to did my Jeff. Wife. Me too. Haley, <laughs> <laughs> get ready. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't agree with the move then. I didn't agree with it now. I will never agree with it. I, I know you have a tremendous, tremendous catcher in Philadelphia now, um, but he's not 24, and Logan O'Hoppy is pretty damn good um he's a great human being again put that aside but he understands he understands everything he's a great teammate he's a workaholic he has tools offensively and defensively that's and at that position and again if you thought well okay he's not you know he's not going anywhere for five years in this organization as a catcher well then you find a position for him because he's he's that good and i think the angels really stole something there amen all right, so here's Have something. Have you been reading Jeff's text to me? <laughs> just just check. So, 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 Tom, now I'm about to say something that it's going to be like swallowing like a bad pill or something. Rob Manfred, do we have to now give him a little bit of credit that what has happened this year, I know it's early, but what has happened, all of the things that they've done, all of these changes that they made and made them at once, that, that it seems that this made baseball a better product. I like the pitch cock a lot. I despise the shift. It's your problem if you can't hit it where they're not. I'll, I'll never change my thought on that, but that has not changed the pace of the game. The, speed, the pitch clock has helped tremendously. I had a game here two nights ago. It was two hours and 54 minutes. That felt like a long time. But we used to have 354 here, so... Again, I think it's great. It's a great product. Uh, that's the one thing that I really have, have liked. I don't like the uh, the shift. Again, you want to you want to get more offense, then learn how to hit it where there's a monster gap, and you can drive a tractor trailer through it. That's your problem if you can't hit it there. I'll never understand that. That's like saying, okay, you can't hit a jump shot, so we're not going to you know, and we don't have, we're not going to guard you. Well, now you have to guard me even though I can't hit that. So now you're telling a guy he's got to play on the, on the dirt, knowing that he's going to hit it 40 feet to my left, you know, 40% of the time and I can't play there. You're going to, silly. you're going to need a lot more athletic second basements now. Well, and, and, Hey, we, we've got one here. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, again, you can, you do, you, you know, yesterday, uh, Scranton Wilkes Bears here, triple uh, a, the Yankees, every one of their infielders, their heels were touching grass. And when there was a left-handed hitter up there, that shortstop was as close as he could be to that second base bag <laughs> as possible. So you do what you can and hope for the best. Are they employing the old move, the, the left fielder, to, to right field? Uh, no, that has not happened, not even close yet. But they're not, the, the iron picks don't have a lot of like just 
100% Deadpool left-handed hitters here. They're just, they don't have that. But I'm, you know, I'll be anxious to see when somebody like Durham, which has notoriously done that, the Rays AAA franchise, they have shifted wildly every year they've been here. Toledo's done a lot of that. Uh, I'll be anxious to see some of those teams over the, who have, have a long history of, of, of crazy shifts to see if they put somebody, you know, three, three outfielders on the right side or something. But it hasn't happened yet in the first two series. The minor leagues have ob- obviously been sort of the testing area for baseball before these bring these rules up. Rob Manford has said that the next big thing he wants to tackle is automatic balls and strikes. There is some of that in minors at different levels. What's the thought in the minor league system right now about the ABS system as Jeff covers his eyes and objects vociferously? <laughs> I don't think the players have a, you know, you ask them, you know, in a neutral setting away from anything that has recently happened that was, you know, Angel Hernandez like, and you're going to get mixed, mixed response. And it's, but it's basically lukewarm either way. I don't think you'd get an argument. If they said, look, we're never going to, a, you know, an automatic strike zone or we're, we're going to it next week. I don't think you get a rea- strong reaction either way. But what you just have to do is find better you know, is find better umpires. Where we have seven or eight new umpires in the majors this year, but yet we still have Laz Diaz and C.B. Buckner and Angel Hernandez, who are you know, notorious for just not being good balls and strikes umpires. And we've seen some games already this season where the Phillies have not liked the strike zone at all. Oh, yeah, and... and, and most instances, it's rightfully so. And, you know, the argument they say sometimes is when they have that box on TV that everybody pays attention to, well, it's not 100% accurate. Well, then don't put it up there because all that's going to do is get, you know, people more upset over balls and strikes when, in fact, the umpire is right 95% of the time, and yet it makes it, making it look like they're wrong, you know, 20% of the time, and that's just not the case. But, again, I think it's only a handful of umpires that would put, you know, but would be the reason for putting in such a radically – different approach to calling balls and strikes. And there were some issues, I guess, when they used it at the lower levels or, or an independent ball where, you know, the ball's bouncing in the other batter's box and it was called a strike. I mean, <laughs> even, even Angel Hernandez wouldn't call that a strike. Well, see, that's, to me, that's the thing. I don't think that we should be replacing umpires with, with robots and computers and things like that. It, you just named a handful of umpires that we all know are not good balls and strikes umpires. Why doesn't Major League Baseball, instead of tackling a problem that doesn't really exist, tackle the problem of when you have some umpires, a very small handful of them, that aren't doing their job right, why are they not saying to them, either you start getting it right or you really, this isn't the job for you? They're in the union, Jeff. You still have to do your job well. And and if I if I'm a, if I'm a fellow umpire or if I'm in the you know, the umpires union, I'm saying, look, they're making us look bad, and right. we're going to get replaced by inconsistent and erratic computers, and that's that's what's going to happen unless we get rid of these again very small percentage of umpires who have who struggle repeatedly behind the plate, and it's not just those three. There's a couple others, and again, not to pick on Angel Hernandez, but he's like the poster child because of <laughs> the way he the way he is confrontational in his reactions to his terrible balls and strikes calls. You got, you got, just, sometimes you just have to eat it, and that's not, he's not capable of doing that. You know you screwed up or you think you screwed up. You just have to like, accept the barking instead of just making it escalate to a point where guys are getting thrown out of games you know, for arguing a call that they're 100% right for. 
Well, Tom, we look. We are glad that baseball is back. We are glad that you can give us a few minutes to hop on and look forward to talking to you throughout the season as it goes forward. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Always good to hear it. I'm glad somebody agrees with me with Logan O'Hoppy. I just will never understand that. Oh, I'll connect you with Jeff. He can text you now instead of me. <laughs> we could start his fan club. <laughs> just don't, don't yeah. add me to that group chain, okay? I'll let you all have a little love affair there. <laughs> Thanks have so a much, Tom. <laughs> Bye-bye. Appreciate it. All right, Jeff, we found somebody who loves Logan O'Hoppy as much as you, apparently. Well, and his parents. <laughs> That's right. His parents do <laughs> like him a lot. You're second behind his parents in terms of oh, it. Look, you, know, you you have to – I mean, you weren't there when, when – No, we you did the interview. Him. Yeah, you did the interview. He, he was young. It was He was just he, drafted, he, right? He was, he was young. He wasn't a super high draft pick. But with catchers, you can tell when they have it. Like, there is something about – the mentality of a catcher that you can tell whether or not they can command a room, and, and you if they can to command see a Bryson locker room. Stott, not Logan O'Hara. Yeah, and, and he Bryson Lo- Spot was was also somebody he, who you could tell had the confidence. But, to but be when a major you league went, player. I remember when you went because I mm-hmm. couldn't go, and you went to see Stott because he was the big. I draft went, that's pick. who I went to interview, and yeah. you got O'Hoppy, and uh-huh. you came back, and you were like, "I got O'Hoppy," and I'm like, "You got what?" And you were telling me about him at the time. You like so this isn't like a new thing. You look back, so I may make fun of you for it, but this was something that you saw from the day that they selected. It, it's to me a catcher is very much like a quarterback in, in the mentality that they have to be, have in the leadership because your head has to. People don't realize your head has to be in the game on offense and, and defense. Every play, every play. You know, guys can go in the locker room. They can they can take a break when they're done hitting. With the ball's not hit to them. The catcher's got to be locked in the whole game. And it's not just when they're out there that they have to be locked in. They have to be locked in in the dugout. They're looking at film. They're seeing who's up next. They are commanding it. And you can tell the guys that are going not to say that they're going to be Hall of Famers, the next Johnny Bench, the next JT Realmuto. I'm just telling you that there are guys, and, and I could tell this when I met Travis Darnode years and years ago, is you could tell when, when he was with the Phillies organization before he got traded in the Roy Halladay trade that he had it. And he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's had a really good career. He's you know he's been a from, professional baseball player. He he went to the Mets. He won a World Series with the Braves. I mean, he's had a really good career, and you can just tell with those guys. And, and catchers are so good. Catchers are so rare that yes, you can only play one at a time. And we do have JT, and and we made the big trade that you get to take a deep breath now and say Sixto didn't turn out to be Pedro Martinez. He could still have a great career. But he hasn't played basically since they traded him. So, and I don't think he's coming up even this year before the All Star break. So he's still got issues. I just don't think you trade that person. And, and as Tom said, you find a different position for him. JT's, how old is he? 30, 31? The knees aren't going to be there for much longer, no matter how athletic he is. And by the way, if, if Reese leaves at the end of this year, you don't want Cody Clemens, I don't care how he does this year, as your future first baseman. You could slide JT over there, and you now have a young catcher. And that young catcher can learn from one of the best. So you just have more options than what they have now. And Garrett Stubbs is a great backup catcher, by the way. But I just think you find when you have that kind of mentality and that kind of – he's also a gifted hitter. I think you find a place for him. You don't trade him for Brandon Marsh. Meanwhile, it's 2-2 in the Phillies game. It well, that's going to end soon. <laughs> in the, Bilotti's in. In the sixth inning, uh, Bilotti is in. 
you want to talk about struggles. The starting pitching, they have had the worst ERA in baseball, giving up uh, 6.98 ERA, 42 runs, 38 of them earned. Their bullpen is even worse, 8.44 ERA. It's the second worst in all of baseball, the worst in the National League. So separate from the bats, I mean the arms. Uh, like You look at the lineup, and that's concerning. But, I mean, you've got Bellotti in here trying to find the strike zone here in the sixth inning and get out of it. To maintain the lead, there's there's two trying outs Trying right to now. find the strike zone in the sixth inning. He's been trying to find the strike zone since he got here. When are they going to fix it, though? Why, why when you are up 2-1 to one or 2-2, two, two, why is he who you go to? Well, you would think this you paid is a, a lot high of, leverage you paid, moment for one of your bigger names. That, and Pilates, who you bring in in a high leverage situation? Not Dominguez? Not Kimbrell? Are we allowed um, to second-guess Rob not, Thompson not, this year now? Not Alvarado. Have we, got, have we gotten through the we-can't-question Rob and Rob we trust from last year? I, I Look, I like him as a manager. I just don't get this. If you get, if you made it into the sixth inning with a lead, I don't think now's the time that you don't use your good relievers. Look, you question Bellotti. I want to know what Christian Pache is doing on the roster, let alone on the field. Everybody in the major leagues knew that he couldn't hit. And I don't know why you needed a defensive outfielder. Why do at this you take point. up a roster spot with him and not bring Kingery up and let him try the outfield? Or Dalton Guthrie. Or Dalton Guthrie. He was supposed to be on the bench anyway. What, <laughs> what? the hell are we doing? Dalton Guthrie. Poor guy was on the opening day roster <laughs> and, and got and, cut and, before yeah, yeah. he even got the play. <laughs> I mean, I just. Uh, how I'm ba- so how happy ba- baseball's back and so frustrated by the product on the <laughs> field already at the now, same time. Now, we, we've gotten to spend a decent amount of time with Derek Hall over the years. Oh, I was so upset. How, how bad do you feel for a guy like that? I was so bummed. And you know, look, you've given me a lot of heat for saying I would have traded Reese because he was the only piece you had to get an arm because you could have Derek Hall or somebody else play first base. Mm-hmm. So you know how I feel. I was excited that I he do. was going to get the chance even though not having Reese in the lineup is a huge hole with Hall there. Like, they can both be the same. Mm-hmm. I was very disappointed to see that he won't be here, and he'll be out for a couple months. He's going to have surgery on the ligament in his thumb. It's rough. Yeah, definitely not what you want to see. Uh, Jeff, I did want to get a couple minutes before we go. Um, college basketball, the tourney ended last week. Uh, you, and the transfer portal is mad crazy now, right? Michigan signed somebody today. Are you happy? See, the way you're saying it, like, that's the end of... It's over. Amateur One signing. All done. Uh, he signed him. It, 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 Michigan also got another guy who's on his third team. Like, this, it's getting out of control. So I know, yes, yes, my fellow alumni are excited that Caleb Love is now coming from North Carolina over. Don't get too excited about it. He, he left North Carolina, okay? And he left North Carolina with a horrible shooting percentage. There's, there's flaws in all of these guys. You're just trading the flaws that you have for somebody else's flaws. I think this is the first year I was as interested in the women's tourney as I was the men's tourney. I, I found that fascinating. We got about a minute left. Well, I think left. that's good. Uh, and the ratings showed it. 9.9 million viewers. Caitlin Clark. Well, you know, you know what's interesting about all of this? And, and Kate Fagan, when she was on a few weeks ago, she, did, she didn't have a chance. She regretted not saying this and texted me afterwards about it, it about the fact that women, I think it was Kate Fagan who said this. Um, it was either Kate or Susie. I know which yeah, conversation it was. That women's, they're tied to each other for their TV contracts. And now it looks like they're going to get an opportunity to see what their real worth is because they can negotiate a separate contract. 
Yeah, and look, I mean, it's a huge opportunity for them to get that storytelling. You saw the narratives come out with Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark and the back and forth, and there's plenty more to that story there than we'll get to. Are you going to make seconds. it through this whole show without mentioning the ratings for the final? Uh, they were oh, down. See, I'm giving it to you. So they, they were the worst ever, I thought. But they were the still Mets. higher than any basketball broadcast all year. But yes, they were the worst in years. It was definitely not the best ratings. Jeff, any final thoughts? We got to check out of here. I let you do the ratings thing. We're done. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. I'm Lynn Schroeder. I'm Julia Zamora. And we're the hosts of Bloomers in the Garden. We cover every aspect of caring for plants.